I wish you could feel what we're feeling in this sanctuary right now. You know, the, the, the seats are all empty, but man, the presence of the Lord is, is it's here right now. And, and listen, I'm not ever ashamed to say, you know what, Lord, I need you. It doesn't matter how successful I ever become. There will never be a point where I can say, Lord, you know, I got this. You can go and do, do your thing. I got this. No, no, no. I always need the Lord. And so do you. And if you ever get to a place in your life where, where you're like, yeah, I don't think I need them anymore. Listen, that, that just shows you need them so much in, in your moment and in your life right there. But man, I'm so thankful that you're with us tonight. We need the Lord. Everything that we're doing right now, listen, we have involved the Lord. We've prayed. We have sacrificed. We said, Lord, come and have your way tonight. We, we need you, Lord. When we're singing, when we're playing, when I'm speaking, Lord, I, we, it's not for our glory. It's for you, God. And we, man, we need your help tonight. We need your help tonight. But, man, I'm so excited. We're starting a brand new series tonight. It's entitled The Waiting Room. And, man, I, we, listen, we've gotten so much. It's not even really feedback because we haven't started yet. But we've had so much anticipation for this series. I, I've had so many people comment about how excited they are about this, this series just from, you know, a promo video or from us speaking about it last week, kind of setting it up. And, man, listen, I'm so excited about the waiting room. We actually have a little waiting room up here. We kind of constructed a little waiting room so that just, just to give a little ambiance to the, to the service. I mean, I'm excited. But hey, let me brag. Let me brag on everybody that's here right now that's putting, helping making this, this service uh, as successful as it is. Listen, I am the oldest person in the room right now w- with everything, the band, the worship, the media, the sound, the lights, the, the broadcasting, everything. I'm the oldest person in the room right now, and I'm 30. All right, so I want you to understand this. This entire thing, this entire service is being put on and broadcast to hundreds of people. It's going to be viewed thousands of times all around Louisiana, all around the United States. We had people from the Philippines watching last week, okay? All this is being brought to you by a group of of young people. Listen, our average age in this place right now is probably like 20. That's how crazy, that just blows my mind. Like literally a, a group of just young people, we just come in together with our hunger for God and God has blessed us with such great abilities, our sound, our production, everything is just so great. Man, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see how far this generation goes and what this generation is capable of doing. I believe God is gonna open doors of opportunity and do great things. But listen, this is what we have to understand. Before we get any of that, we all have to be in a, a waiting room. All right, so are you excited about the waiting room? Let me hear you over here. Are you excited about the waiting room? No, you're not. Nobody ever gets excited about a waiting room because of what it entails. It means you're going to be waiting, right? It's in, the, it's in the name. It's not called the hurry up and get things done room. It's called the waiting room. So you know without a shadow of doubt when you walk into a waiting room, you are going to be well, you're going to be waiting. You're going to be waiting. But listen, there's always a promise before you go into a waiting room. Right? And the promise is always ready to be accepted whenever you come out of the waiting room. But how you respond in the waiting room is going to determine what you get and where you go next. All right? It all comes back to how you respond to the waiting room. And so this is my guess. My guess for you right now is that you're probably in a waiting room. You probably feel like you, you know you're destined to do something. You know that God has called you to do something, but you don't quite know what it is. And so you're kind of just... You're kind of stuck. You're, you're just waiting. Okay, God, I'm ready. I'm waiting for you to reveal to me what you want me to do. Or maybe you know what you're supposed to do, but now you're waiting for God to, to open that door and give you that opportunity. But you are in 
a waiting room. And so trust me, just listen, trust me, in this series, for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about the waiting room. And I believe God, he, He's just going to, to give you some direction for your life. I know you're in a waiting room right now. You feel stuck. You don't know which direction to go. But listen, I believe God is going to give you some direction. He's also going to, he's going to shatter some misconceptions about waiting. Because a lot of people think that whenever we're just waiting, we're actually wasting time. But that's not the truth. We're going to, we're going to shatter some misconceptions. And what this series is going to do is it's going to prepare you so that when your waiting season is up, you are prepared to go and take the promise that God has for you. So our flagship scripture, this is a, a prominent and popular scripture. We're going to reference it every single week in this series. Uh, we love to quote this scripture whenever somebody's going through a hard time. They're like, man, you know, just I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know how I'm going to make it. We love to, to share this scripture with them. And it's one of those, like, it's one of these scriptures that you can't just like speak it. You got to preach it whenever you tell it to somebody, right? Now you'll be in a conversation and you're just listening to somebody pour their heart out to you. They're like, yeah, man, my dog's sick. I failed a test last week. It's, it's rough, man. You're just like, yeah, yeah. But they that wait on the Lord and like something comes upon you and you're just like, now you're like T.D. Jakes in front of this person. You're like preaching this, this verse to them. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And you're like, whoo, you feel that? I don't, I, feel, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling it. He says, you, they, 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 shall, they shall mount up wings like eagles. And now you're flapping your, your, your fake eagle wings like at Sonic, all right? It's crazy because you're like, you're going to be an eagle, baby. They said, you'll, you'll be able to run and not get weary. You'll be able to walk and not faint. Some of you are like, yeah, during this uh, corona time, I, I'm kind of getting out of shape. I walked up the stairs and almost fainted yesterday. It's crazy. Listen, God is going to give you some power. It's going to help you to walk and not faint. And listen, we love this scripture, man. We, we, I love to preach about it. We love to share it. But listen, we like the scripture, but we don't like to live the scripture. We love to give the advice to somebody, hey, bro, just wait on the Lord. But we ourselves, we never want to be the person that's actually having to wait. I've never been anybody that likes to wait. We hate waiting. Right? Have you ever gone to a restaurant, you walk up, and you're like, hey, I need a table for six. And the hostess is like, oh, yeah, cool, cool, cool. That'll be an hour. I've never met anybody that's like, yes, hey, can you make it an hour and a half? I really like sitting over there on that, that hard bench and watching everybody else eat the food that I'm wanting to eat. I love to wait. Can you make the wait longer? I've never met anybody that said that. I've never seen anybody in traffic. You know, like, listen, Lake Charles has some weird traffic because we don't have very good drivers. But a few months back, they shut down an entire bridge. All right, we have two bridges that get you into Lake Charles. They, like, shut down one. So everybody had to go to one bridge. It was, it was, it was chaos. It was crazy. It was like bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. You'd just be sitting there, and you're just looking around, and nobody's moving. Like, you could literally get out of your car and walk across the bridge faster than you're going to be able to get through it in your car. Listen, you know what you don't see? You don't see people like, hey, hey, bro, roll down the window. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm doing right this. Back in the day, this is how you had to roll down your window, right? You didn't have an automatic. You had to, like, crank it. You had to get, like, an arm workout. Roll down the window. Ain't this awesome? Traffic. We're just chilling, not moving. I, I know I got places to go, but, man, we're waiting. You don't see that. People get so anxious. They get so upset in the waiting room because nobody likes to wait. But, but, but listen, we have to wait. Waiting is a fundamental part of life, and it's definitely a fundamental part of your walk with with God. And so whenever I think about waiting, I think about a couple of things. The first thing I think about is back in, in middle school and high school, 
uh, we, didn't, we, we didn't have the ability to kind of like send text messages or FaceTime anybody. And so communication was a little bit more difficult back in the day. So I remember in middle school and in, 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 in high school, we couldn't text each other. So what we had to do is we had to write, we had to write love notes. <laughs> but not just any love note. They, they were kind of bougie. You know, you, listen, if you can zoom in, I, I, I remade how we used to make these, these notes. It's got a little flap on it. It kind of locks it. And it says, to you from me. And it's like, lift here and it it just opens up and it's all secretive until you open it up and you would write stuff on there like for your eyes only but you'd have to like draw out the eyes listen we didn't have like (laughs) we didn't have emojis back then you just had to you just had to write them out (laughs) but this is what would happen you know communication was hard we couldn't just text somebody so we had to write notes so what you would do is you would like you would write down whatever you wanted to say you usually would like ask questions and you'd pass the note off and they would answer the questions and ask you some but the, but the problem was is you had to wait so long it wasn't instant it wasn't like a text message where you got a response what would happen is you would like write your note fold it up all nice then you'd go see him in the hallway and you'd pass the note and then you had to wait you had to wait to get a response you had to wait an entire hour because they had to go to class they would answer and they'd give it back to you next but sometimes you had to wait longer Sometimes you had to wait like two hours. Sometimes she had to take the note home overnight and then bring it back the next day. And the whole time, you're just, I'm waiting. And you just ask like an important question. You're like, hey, girl, do you like me? Check yes or no. And then she takes like 12 hours to give you a response and you're all sweating. It's tough. Waiting also reminds me of a lot of songs, man. Listen, I was, I was raised listening to country music because my mom and dad, that's like all they listened to. So that's like what I was raised listening to. So I was raised listening to like George Strait. We called him King George. I was raised listening to like Garth Brooks and Brooks and Dunn and Tim McGraw. Listen, listen, I, I learned to play the drums to Brooks and Dunn. All right, listen, I would like put their CD in. I had all these speakers in my, my room, and I would just jam Brooks and Dunn. Till this day, like if they ever want to do a tour, and they're like, man, I can't find a drummer that knows any of our songs, I'd be like, bro, let's go right now. We don't even need to practice or rehearse. Let's go get it. Guess how well I know their songs. But I remember in 2015, okay, I was 15 years old. That makes me a freshman in high school. This country song came out, and little did I know, it was actually going to be like the anthem of my life. Brad Paisley wrote this song, and it's called Waiting on a Woman, all right? And little did I know, it's like Brad knew the future of my life, because I'm always waiting on my lovely wife. She takes longer to get dressed than me, but I don't mind waiting on a woman. This song, it's great. It's about this, like, younger guy who's married. He's sitting on a bench at the mall, and then this old guy in overalls pops up next to him, and he's like, hey, man, you waiting on a woman? And the guy's like, yeah, I've been waiting forever. What about you? He's like, <laughs> Let me tell you, son, since 1952, I've been waiting on a woman. And the guy's like, that's a long time. But he says, listen, I don't mind waiting on a woman. And so whenever I think of waiting, that's just kind of what I think, dude. I, I even remember, like, learning to play this song on guitar. I was, I was just playing. I was like, man, now I just got to pull it out every now and then. I get stuck waiting. I'm just like, I got to remind myself, I don't mind waiting on a woman. I don't, I don't mind. It doesn't make it easy. doesn't make it fun. But... But I don't mind. You know, in fact, I've met a lot of people who, who've come up to me, and they're like, they, they always say this, man, I wish, I wish I could play the guitar. And I'm like, eh, no, you don't. Because you, if you did want to play the guitar, well, you would, you would learn to play the guitar. See, a lot of people, they want the talent, but without the preparation. They want to have the ability without the practice, right? They want to, but listen, in order to play the guitar, you have to get into a waiting room where it's just you and a guitar, <laughs> 
And it's going to take some time, and you're going to have some mess-ups, but it's all preparing you for the promise that you want to receive. And so that's what God's waiting room is for us. Listen, it's a time of preparation for what comes after the waiting room. God is, he's preparing you to walk into something that right now you're not able or capable to walk into. Oh man, he may give you the the promise, he may tell you the dream or the vision, but right now you're not ready for it, so he puts you in a waiting room. And so that's what this series is all about, because we have too many people who they want to forfeit the wait. They want the crown without the cross. They want the blessing without the preparation. They want to reap a harvest, but they don't want to do any of the planting, right? They want strength, but they don't want the waiting. But what they don't understand is that your strength comes from your waiting. See, preparation, it happens in the waiting room. And listen, waiting rooms are not fun. You're never going to call your friend up like, hey, bro, what you do tonight? You want to go hang out in the waiting room? Like, no, because they're not fun, man. Waiting rooms are, they're lonely, you don't bring people to the waiting room. It's, it's, it's just you, and often you'll find yourself sitting all by yourself. You're sitting at the waiting room, and you're just kind of like staring at people. you got that one guy in the corner who keeps coughing, and you just keep getting further and further away from him. You're like, bro, I'm glad I'm not sitting next to that guy. My Lord, God, heal him right now in Jesus' name. Keep the germs over there. It's wild. But, but, you're, by, but you're by yourself. But listen, here's our focus for tonight. All right, Here's our focus. This is what you need to focus in on. Waiting rooms are all about confession. Right? Confession. That's what a, rating, what a waiting room really boils down to. And some of, us, some of us need to do that right now. We need to confess that we're in a waiting room. Because there's too many people that they're always complaining. Man, I don't know what, what I'm supposed to be doing. What's next? I don't know what's happening right now. And they're so busy complaining about what's not happening. They need to realize, well, listen, God has you in the waiting. He's placed you in a waiting room, and he's hoping that you'll get some confession in and get some work done is going to prepare you for what he has to do next. But listen, we have to confess. And we know this. When you walk into a waiting room for the doctor, what do they do? They give you like this, the chart. And it's funny because it has a pen connected to it. And they're like, hey, can you fill this out? And you're like, yeah, let me just use the pen that every sick person in here has already used. Like, not, not today, Satan. I don't think so. I got my own pen. And then you got to confess. you got to write down and answer questions about why you're here. What's wrong with you? Right? Do you have any past medical uh, issues? Is there any family, anything that runs in your family that we need to know about? Give it to us. The, get, lay it all out. Be brutally honest. What's wrong with you? And you got to confess what is wrong with you. And then you go back and you give them back their, their little clipboard. And then they'll ask you, hey, what form of payment are you going to be using? You're going to pay cash. You're going to pay card. You're going to use your insurance. And they want you to pay before you ever even receive the promise. you got to pay before you even receive any, any service. And listen, that's how God works sometimes too. He makes you pay before you ever get the promise. But here's our problem. So many times we see the price tag of the waiting room and we're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not willing to, to wait that long. I'm not willing to pay that price. And then we forfeit our promise because we can't endure the waiting room. That's why Matthew twenty two fourteen 14, it says, many are called, but only few are chosen. Because there's so many people who see the price of the waiting room and they say, no, 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 no that, 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 that's not for me. That, that's not for me. I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to do that. But whenever you get into the waiting room, what you're doing is saying, God, I'll stay here as long as it takes. God, do whatever you need to do to me. Not my will, but your will be done. Prepare me for the next step in our walk. Because listen, this is what you have to understand. Sometimes God won't move until you move. Sometimes God won't be called to action until you put some action 
into the process. Jesus tells us, he says, if you ask, then you'll receive. If you knock, then the door will be open, right? If you seek, then you will find. See how you have to initiate it? See how you have to do something before God does something? See, a lot of times we, we get in the waiting room and we don't want to do anything. We're like, okay, God, what, what do you want me to do? And God's saying, I'm waiting for you to do something. I'm preparing you, but you have to use this, this preparation. Listen, you have to participate in your destiny, you have to participate in your destiny. It's not an inevitability. It's, it's a possibility. And the way that you respond while you're in your waiting room is going to determine what you receive and where you go next. Because listen, there is a big difference. We're going to talk about this next week. There's a big difference between waiting and procrastinating. A lot of people are saying, well, I'm just in the waiting. I'm just waiting on the Lord. No, you're procrastinating because you're not doing anything. You can be working while you're waiting. You understand? You can, you can turn the waiting room into like a gym weight room and work on yourself so that you're stronger to go and receive the blessing. And now listen, we understand this in other areas of life. That, that you, like, you can't forfeit the waiting room. How many times have you gone to a restaurant and you walk up and the hostess is like, yeah, it'll be about, about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And then you do that, that, that stare to your friends. You're like, you don't even say nothing, but internally you're, you're communicating. Hey, bro. You want to wait that long? Is it worth it? And they're looking at you, and they're just like, I don't know, man. But we don't say words. We say, and then, then you make the decision. And what happens a lot of times is we're not willing to wait it out, and so we forfeit what we really want, and then we have to go somewhere we didn't actually want to go and receive something we actually didn't want to receive because we weren't willing to endure the wait. And so instead of going to Texas Roadhouse and, and eating those delicious rolls with the cinnamon butter and some ribs and some mashed potatoes and fruity peanuts and, and all that goodness, well, you forfeit that promise because you're not willing to wait. And now you're driving through the McDonald's drive through getting a 20-count chicken nugget meal. And that's not where you wanted to go and that's not what you wanted to have, but you forfeit the promise because you weren't willing to endure the waiting room. Listen, I don't think, our, listen, I love our, this generation that's coming up. Man, I, I do. I think they're, they're, they have faith. I believe they, they believe God's going to use them. I don't think our generation is on the verge of like renouncing our faith in Jesus, but this is what I do have a concern with. I think our generation is possibly on the verge of having small faith. Right? I believe that our generation is in danger of settling for a mediocre version of faith. And so what we do is we settle for something small because we're not willing to wait for something spectacular. We, we jump the gun. We want to rush everything, right? We have like this hot pocket mentality. Let me pop it in the microwave and then come out. But listen, God is calling you to be in a waiting room, a time of preparation where you can't be lazy and you have to get to work because God has called us to be warriors of faith, to go and bombard the, the gates of hell with radical faith. But in order to get to that place where you can do that, well, you have to be in a waiting room, right? If you're going to go be in the army, they're going to send you to boot camp because you have to be trained. You have to go through a period of waiting before you go out and get to work. Listen, we can't have a microwave version of Christianity, right? Anointing doesn't happen in the microwave. You, you cook anointing in the crock pot like for nine hours, cooking it overnight, right? We can't have this hot pocket Christianity. We can't microwave maturity. And you can't microwave a move of God. 
It, it comes in the waiting room where you're saying, okay, God, here's where I am. Here's what's wrong with me. Here's what I need you to do. But God, what do you want me to do? What are you preparing me for? Whenever you get to that point in your life, it, listen, it's not going to be fast. We're not going to pop you in a, in a Pentecostal microwave and say, okay, two minutes and you're done. It, it doesn't happen like that. It's called the waiting room. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to endure. You have to pay the price before you ever see the promise. I mean, this, this is so evident over so many people in Scripture. All the greats in Scripture, they all had a waiting room. David's waiting room, before he got to the palace, he was in the pasture. Joseph, before he was in the palace, he had to go through uh, being thrown in a pit, sold to Potiphar, and go into prison. Look at Jesus. Jesus didn't even start his ministry for 30 years. He waited 30 years to start his ministry, yet some of us, we get a word from God, and if it doesn't happen by Monday, we're like, God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you making me wait so long? Why? It's because culture has given this, I need it now, I need it now, let's do this right now. But God calls us to live a different standard. It takes some time. you got to be put into a waiting room. But we have this fast-forward mentality. God, let's get it as fast as we can, but God's like, no, no, no. Let's take it slow. Let's make sure you're right. Let's make sure you're equipped. Let's make sure you have what you really need. Listen, in the waiting room, you got to confess. you got to write down all the things in, in, in your life. And, and then it's really cool because you're sitting down. You've turned in your, your paperwork. You're sitting down. And you got to confess, I'm in a waiting room. And it's funny because they always have magazines in the waiting room, right? And it's funny which magazine people choose. They always try to choose one that makes them look a lot better than they really are. Like they're going to pick like engineering today, and they're sitting there trying to be all proper. But on the inside of that magazine, they got like Nickelodeon. <laughs> and they're just trying to make yourself look cool because that's what a waiting room does. It's going to make you live out your true identity, make you remove the, the false identity and the mask that you're trying to, to, to give everybody the false impression of who you are. It's going to make you be who you truly are. And then, then the lady's going to come and call your name. They're like, Tyler Bushnell? And it's so funny how people act whenever their name gets called. You're like... You're like reading your book, and they're like, Tyler Bushnell? And you're just like, oh, it's me. It's me. Put your back. You're like, guys, it was fun. It was real. Like, hey, dude, coughing over there. God bless. And you're all proper now, like you just won the lottery, and you're walking, you're just going to a waiting room. But what happens is you get brought from one waiting room, and then they put you into another waiting room. It's even smaller. And then a nurse comes in, and this time you got to confess everything. Right, because you don't, you don't list everything that's wrong on this page. Because it's like, like you, okay, I'm not going to list everything. I don't want you to think I'm crazy. But whenever the nurse comes in, you've got to be brutally honest this time. You've got to lay it all out. Be, be, because if you leave something out, you don't get what you truly need. Right, if the doctor's like, hey, yo, bro, what's wrong with you? You're like, well, I got this, this, and this. And if you don't tell them everything, well, then the doctor can't actually give you what you truly need because he doesn't know. Waiting rooms are all about confession but our problem is is we don't like to confess we don't like to tell people about our problems we don't like to tell people about what we're dealing with we try to keep it all hush hush and on the dl but listen confession is so important to your walk with god and confession is not just about you getting rid of this this guilty conscience right here's the goal here's where it's going to get real we're going to kick it in four-wheel drive i need you to stick with me all right Watch this. James 1.22, it says, Do not merely hear the word, do what it says. That's what it says. Do not, do not merely hear the word, do what it says. There are so many people, they'll come to church or they'll listen to church, and they're like, oh, yes, amen, I like that. I received that word. And they receive it, but then they never apply it. 
That's like going to Lowe's and buying a bucket of paint and bringing it in your living room and just placing it on the floor. Then you invite your friends over. You're like, guys, you like, how, like what I did with the room? Look how, like how I painted. They're like, dude, you didn't do anything. You just got paint, but you didn't, you didn't apply the paint. If you don't apply the word, there's no transformation. Nothing changes, right? So James is telling us, listen, don't just merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Now with that, let's talk about confession because watch this. James 5.16. He says this, confess your sins to, watch it, one another. I don't know about that. (laughs) God, I'll confess to you, you my boy. You don't tell people. But I don't know if I want to confess my sins to everybody else. But James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. Understand, confession is more than just telling God what's going on. It's, It's about telling people who can hold you accountable. Right? Because what happens, listen, what happens a lot of times is we get into this routine where we sin and we mess up, we feel bad, we feel guilty, and so we confess to Jesus. We tell God, I messed up, I'm sorry, because we feel guilty, and God removes our guilt because he remembers not our sin, and we love that. But what happens is, well, we never make a life change. I feel bad, and so I confess to Jesus, and then nobody else has to know about it, and, and well, I'll just keep confessing because if I just keep confessing, I don't have to actually change the way I live my life. But James is saying, listen, listen, if you, wanna, if you want God to work for you, you have to work in the will of God. And God says, confess your sins to one another. That's why we're so adamant about small groups and life groups or, or, or connect groups or whatever you want to call it. It's where you get into a safe environment with people who know you and love you and you trust them and you open up to them and then they can love back on you in a safe manner and hold you accountable. Because so many of us, we're in this routine. I sin, I feel bad, I confess to God. I sin, I feel bad, I confess to God. But what happens when you confess to other people is they hold you accountable. They call and you say, hey, bro, I know this is the area you struggle with. I saw you went through some stuff last week. I'm just checking on you because I love you. They would never know to check on you, though, if you never confessed your sins to one another. How many things have you been battling for the last year, five, ten years of your life? Listen, I bet if you actually confided in somebody, they could help you out with it. They could help you out. Confess your sins to, to one another. God's plan, God's waiting room, it, can, it requires confession. But here's where we mess up with confession and repentance. So many of us, we settle for, for, for penance. Penance. Now this is what penance is. Penance is it's a voluntary self-punishment that, that is inflicted as an outward expression of having done wrong. So it, it's you voluntarily like hurting yourself because you know you've done wrong. All right, it's when you, this is what this. Or you mess up, you're like, oh, so stupid, 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 stupid. And you're hitting yourself because you think you deserve to feel pain because you, you messed up. That's penance. But repentance, that's what we're kind of after here. Repentance is a, a change in direction. It, it, it's not, oh, I, I feel guilty, so I want to feel some pain that, that like kind of equates to the guilt. No, no, no. What God is after is for us to get in the waiting room, confess our sins, trust in him, and then repent. That means you change direction. You don't continue to go in your sinful nature. You completely change everything. And nobody exemplifies this life better than Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, the song about Zacchaeus from Sunday school? Like, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I don't know verse 2, but that was verse 1. That was pretty good. I ain't going to lie. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. 
AKA, he just took money from people. He like robbed from innocent people. He would go and get what the government said he needed to get, and then if he said, but uh, you need to add a little bit more on top of that, he was just filling his, his pockets with, with innocent people's money, right? But one day he encounters Jesus. And it's funny, whenever you encounter ultimate truth, it kind of makes you feel bad about the life that you've been living, right? It kind of draws you out. His ultimate truth kind of draws out all of your flaws. And so he gets to go and, and spend some time with Jesus, and no doubt in, in that moment, he starts to feel bad about the wrongs that he's done because nobody knows your wrongs more than you do, right? So he probably starts to feel bad. He's probably like hating on himself. Oh, Jesus, you don't even know. I feel so bad about all this. But then he takes it a step forward. He actually repents. And he changes his entire life around. And you see this in how he, how he is transformed. He says, listen, for everything that I've taken from anybody, I'm going to give back four times the amount that I took. Notice the difference between penance and repentance. If he relied just on penance, he would just come be like, okay, God, just punch me in the face, and we'll call it even. All right, let me feel the pain. Bring it. Give me your right hook. But he didn't. He encountered ultimate truth. He encountered Christ, and he repented of his sins, which made him, he was walking this way, and he was taking money and living a selfless life, but then he encountered Jesus. He repented of his sin. He says, I no longer want to go in that direction. I want to walk towards truth, and because of that, it transformed everything. He gave back four times the amount that he had taken in. His life changed, and that's why Jesus says in Luke 19, 9, he says, today salvation has come to this house, speaking about the house of Zacchaeus. So salvation and repentance there. Well, they're tied together. To obtain salvation, a part of that plan is repentance. Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus, and he had confession. God, you don't know what I've been doing. This is what I, I can't believe. I'm in this place, what I've done. But he didn't stop at confession. He went on to repent of his lifestyle, and everything changed. Listen, it's not about confession. It's not about you getting rid of your guilty conscience. Confession is not about you have a bad feeling and so I'm just going to ask God to forgive me so he'll take away that bad feeling. Listen, no, no, no. Repentance is about asking God to change everything about your life. I was headed towards a road to turmoil and a road of pain and a road of craziness, but I encountered Christ. I got in a waiting room and I confessed everything that I'd done. I confessed all of my brokenness. I confessed my pain. I confessed every low point in my life. I gave Jesus everything. I laid it all out. And I said, Jesus, listen, I don't know what's next, but I'll sit here and I'll wait as long as I have to wait until you know that I'm ready to go on and do what you've called me to do. But so many of us, we see the price of the waiting room. We see how long it's going to take and we forfeit the wait. We say, no, 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 that's not for me. But listen, if you're sick, how do you ever expect to go see the doctor if you're not willing to first sit in the waiting room? How do you expect God to use you in your next step if you're not going to give him the opportunity and the time to work on you and mold you and transform you and enable you and equip you in the waiting room? I wonder how many promises have been forfeited because we weren't willing to wait. Or I wonder how many times, how many, how many young people have said, okay, God, I'm in the waiting room, and you get this form, and it says, okay, list everything that's wrong with you, and you're like, God, I can't, 
I don't want anybody to know this. I don't want people to know what I did. I don't want people to know what I, what I look at at night. I don't want people to know the thoughts that pop into my head. I don't want people to know that I'm acting a, a, a complete fake life. I'm trying to act one way, but I'm trying to act another way with these people. And, and, and God, I, it, it's too much. It's too real. And I can't confess that much. And you forfeit the promise because you're not willing to endure the waiting room. The waiting room. Nobody said it'd be easy, but they do say that if you endure the process, you'll receive the promise. Listen, there are so many people that God, he has such incredible things in store for you in the future. But right now, you're not ready. That's like like you're you're not being able to swim, but knowing that you're going to be an Olympic swimmer. And so at the age of two, you just jump into the deep end and try to swim. But no, no, you got to go through the training you got to start off in the shallow end and work your way to deep end and then work your way into competition. It's a wait. It's a process. Don't forfeit it. Don't try to fast forward through this process. If you fast forward through a movie, you miss vital things that you need to know. you got to take it at the speed that the producer wants you to experience it. God is our producer. He's our creator. He created me, he created you, he created your life. And he knows at what speed you need to see everything. So don't try to fast forward it. If he tells you to get in the waiting room, get in the waiting room. But listen, a waiting room is not a wasting room. A waiting room is a work room. God, listen, I feel like God has placed us all in a waiting room in the last month. You've had almost nothing to do. He's removed everything, every distraction. He's made your workload so much less than it was. As if to say, hey, hey, let's take this time and just stop. Let me work on you. But did we let God work on us? Or did we forfeit the wait? The waiting room. The waiting room. It's about confession. Maybe some of you need to confess right now. You're in a waiting room. You just need to acknowledge, hey, God, here I am. Speak to me. Show me what I need. Equip me with what I need to go on to the next step. Or maybe you're in the waiting room and and God's just waiting on that confession. Waiting for you to own up to some of the things you've been trying to keep hidden. Or maybe God's waiting on you to confide in some people in your life, in your tight-knit group of friends and family who have your back and who who you can trust in. and They trust you. They're not out to hurt you. They're not going to use your, your, your past mistakes or your secret addiction to hurt you. They're going to try to help heal you. You need to confide. You need to confess your sins to one another. I challenge you to find somebody. Confess to God, but then confess to somebody. Confide in somebody. Let them be your accountability partner. Let them help you in this time of waiting. Waiting rooms are lonely, but they don't have to be. Get some people on your team. Hey, I pray this message is a blessing to you. This is how I want to end. I want to end with a, a prayer of confession. I want you to find a place, maybe after the broadcast, get, get alone in a, in a room, turn on some, some soft, slow worship music, and have a time of confession. And just, just, just confess it all. Get, get it all out. Everything you've been holding in, just get it all out. Then I want you to pray for God to put somebody's name on your heart that you can confide in, that you can confess your, your, your sins to, you can confess your mistakes to, and then let them be a lifeline for you. Let them be an, an advocate for your life. And watch what God does in the, in the waiting room. He's preparing you. And how you endure this time of wait is going to determine where you go next and what you receive.
Let's end in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word today. It's a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. Lord, we all admit we're in a waiting room. But Lord, I'm anxiously awaiting what you have in store, not just for me, but, but as the church as a whole. Let us not waste this time, but let us be who you've called us to be. Let us be equipped. Let us be uh, strengthened in this time of waiting. Let us work on ourselves so that we can be ready and so that we can be molded into who you need us to be when this waiting period is up. We confess our sins to you, Lord. We're not perfect. We're far from it. We have missed the mark. We've fallen short so many times. But God, I'm thankful that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins every single time. You, you not just forgive us our sins, you remember not our sins, Lord. You never hold it against us. Help us today to endure this waiting room so that we can walk out better than when we walked in, more equipped and stronger and with more ability to walk out and do what you're calling us to do. Lord, we know we're going to reap a harvest. But right now, let us be your laborers. Let us be planting out in the fields, being prepared for the season that is upon us. We love you. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope it was a blessing. Tune in next Friday for part two of the Waiting Room series. What's the difference between waiting and procrastinating? We're going to give it to you next Friday. Make sure you tune in. God bless and have a great night.